This is the beginning of part three of the three-part Melvin Powers interview. I don't want to go to someone who I know that the book isn't great and tell me this is going to sell 10 billion copies overnight. I don't want to hear that. You want someone realistic. I want to be realistic. I want to see if she to say, well, I'm not sure about this book, but we'll do our best and we'll go for a three-month contract. I'm sure over the years you've had three or four months where maybe there wasn't much action. But when you average it all out, it's been an investment that you've recouped. Oh, yes, because you don't know what one TV show. I used to do a lot of TV shows and radio shows. But they all pay out, and you get a name, you get people interested in your material. If you're not getting results, that's also good information. And not every book is going to go. What the listeners have to know is this. You can't depend on the other fellow. You can get his help. But you have to follow up with your teaching at the schools, if that's it, trying to get onto some local TV and radio shows. And you have to be even going to the bookstores. What's wrong with going to a local bookstore, Barnes & Noble? Say, I'm the author of such and such a book, and I'd like to give a half-hour lecture on it some evening or an hour lecture and sell the book. And they'll put up your name if they like what you're doing. They'll put up your picture, and they'll put it all in their newsletter. Now, there's something that's absolutely free, and you may get to do that. And then even if a couple of people show up, at least you've done it. You've had the experience of lecturing and answering questions, and you get on to it. And not every lecture is going to be a hit. Once you get into it, it is going to be a hit. But not every radio show or TV show made it. Here's a question from Amy L. Anderson. She says, Melvin, I read the paperback book, Psycho-Cybernetics, many years ago, and it is a great self-help book. How did you tell that this would be a profitable book to publish in paperback? What thing do you look for in a book that makes you think that it would sell as a paperback? And do you think the Amazon Kindle will affect book sales and formats? Well, the Amazon printer will help sales. I don't think it's going to knock the sales down. It will help sales because I like to read a book in my den at home. I'm looking at the computer most of the day, so I'd rather have the book itself. Now, the question of feel. Now, don't forget, my area is the self-help inspirational area, and it's always been that. So when I picked up that book, it was published by someone else originally in hardcover, and it wasn't selling. It was going out of print, and I picked that up. I said to myself, gee, this is a winner. Can you tell me more about Maxwell Maltz? So I called up the company, and they were thrilled to have me take over the book because they were letting it go out of print. They paid Dr. Maltz a lot of upfront money. And so I went to see Dr. Maltz in New York City. I wanted to meet him because I knew that this was going to be a bestseller. I just knew it. It's like listening to music. Can't you tell in around 20 seconds whether you like a song or dislike a song? Yes. Good analogy. So it was a feel that I had for it, and I wanted to meet the author, and I purposely went back to New York to meet him and spend an afternoon with him and an evening just to see what he wanted to do. He was a plastic surgeon, and he wanted to get out of the plastic surgery business. He had made his money, and he was tired of it, and he wanted to lecture all over the country to businesses, schools, prisons, help people with his book. And I said, Dr. Moss, I'll get you all the speaking engagements that you want. And I did, and we got him on Dr. Robert Schuller's show, the Crystal Cathedral in Orange County. And he got him on twice, in fact. 
and that was a big hit and got them all over the country and got them to speak before businesses. So he was a happy man, and he wasn't happy because of the money. He was happy giving out that information that he wanted to do. In fact, I got the idea to have free psychocybernetic study groups, and I had a secretary at one time doing nothing but getting people together who wrote in, and we had it in our advertising and books. If you want to meet with people interested in a psycho-cybernetic free study group, send in your name or call us with your name and address and we'll put you in touch with other people in your state. And we did that and that was something that we enjoyed very much. People would send us money. That's how my secretary sent it back. We wanted to get help for people that would be absolutely positively free and that was a great pleasure for Dr. Maltz and myself. Did you use your PR agent to book him? Well, I booked him to begin with, and then we got someone to handle the speaking engagements because he was getting loads of them. I know. I've heard of the title. I don't really know what the book is about, but just in a short summary, what makes that book so unique, and what is it just basically about? On self-image psychology, to think of yourself as doing something, look at a goal for yourself, and then say to yourself, I'm going to achieve this goal, and say, well, I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to read the books at the library. I'm going to do everything possible. Success doesn't come overnight, it comes one step at a time, and visualize yourself achieving that particular goal. See, visualize yourself, regardless of what has happened to you in the past. People do change, they become successful, but it's one step at a time. There's no such thing as getting rich overnight. I don't believe it. You have to take the steps, and if Joe Blow can do it, if this other person can do it, or become a book publisher, become a basketball player, become whatever, become good in business, if you take the logical steps, which most of the time is free, going to your library, going to trade shows, if you want to get into marketing in a particular area, go to the trade shows. And they have them all over the country. They have them in Vegas all the time. And they have them in the Los Angeles Convention Center. Call up the Convention Center and get a list of all the shows coming into town. And call up the Anaheim Convention Center, the San Diego Convention Center, but all big cities have these convention centers, and get on the mailing list and you'll see what is happening, and get the trade magazines in that particular area where you want to go into business. You'd ask me before, what magazines do I read? Well, I read the DM News, Internet Marketing. I get books on Internet Marketing, and we're all still learning, aren't we? Yes, we are. What was it about him being a plastic surgeon? Was there a connection? Oh, yes. Where is the connection made on the self-help in the plastic surgeon? He was amazed what happened to the people's personality when they had a nose job of rhinoplasty. When they had the bump removed, they became good-looking. And the whole personality completely changed. That personality was there, but maybe because they were getting compliments, they were getting the feedback because they looked good. And he was just, I wouldn't say startled, but he had a lifetime of seeing that happen. And he wanted to be able to put that in writing so that people can do that who didn't need plastic surgery for that particular problem. I'm not saying not to have it. If you want to have it, have it. But he was amazed by that and the changes that happened to people because they began to think differently of themselves, such as the people listening to these tapes right now. You can achieve your goals if you take it step by step. That's the message I would have. Go to trade shows, get to trade magazines. If there's a group in your area, go to the meetings, meet other people in the same area. None of the people in the mail order business are book publishing, and I knew at one time loads of people still do, 
but they weren't competing with me. We were all there together. We're in the book business. We're in the Internet business. We share ideas. You share an idea with me, I'll share an idea with you. So it's a learning process. It's a great learning process. Here's a question from Dwight Woods. He runs a martial arts school, and I think he teaches the discipline that Bruce Lee used. I forgot what it was called. But he says, Mr. Powers, if you think about it, self-help is an oxymoronic term. Because if you're going outside yourself for help, then it can't really be (laughs) self-help. I'm looking to position my martial arts school as a self-help institution. So what do you think is the most important thing someone who is breaking into the self-help market needs to understand about human behavior in order to be really successful in the market. I think you have to look at those people that have made it already in the self-help and the exercise market and do exactly what they're doing. Do people that have programs the same type that you're thinking about writing. Look at their ads on the Internet. If you go to the Internet, you'll find all their ads, see what they're doing, read their literature, get on their mailing list buy their books, buy their course, you don't want to use your own name, use some other name, get on their mailing list and see how often they mail you, see what if they're offering seminars in various cities. So I would do the same thing if I had a product. That is a product that you have. But people are interested in health and health education. So I would follow the leader of what people have done successfully or not successfully in the area that you want and start it and run your ads, see how many inquiries you are getting. Maybe do an e-book on your program, start it in a small way, give out some exercises, give out whatever is important, but answer the questions that people, when they come in to see you to begin with, answer those questions right away and put out some information and maybe do an e-book. And I would say that would be a great way of doing it and take it a step at a time. And if it isn't working, try to find out why it isn't working. You're listening to an exclusive interview found on Michael Sinoff's hardtofindseminars.com. Here's a question from Tom Brussel. Mr. Powers, there are at least two books and probably more that I would love to get the trade paperback rights to. Therefore, what is the step-by-step procedure from approach to successfully getting the rights and how much should I be willing to pay? Maybe people don't want it to be in paperback. Maybe they're going to put it in paperback themselves. I have a load of books I like to do in paperback, but I know I'm not going to get it because the company will be putting out their own paperback rights. There isn't any set amount. The royalties run around 5% for paperback. For a hardcover, it runs 10%, 12.5%, or 15%. But you have to simply make a phone call or write a letter to find out if the rights are available. As far as the advance goes, every book has a different advance. What are some other rights that you can acquire when it comes to a book? There's hardcover books, paperback rights, any other rights standard within the industry? You can go for foreign rights. If you look on my Internet, you'll see I've sold two dozen of my book titles in Spanish language. I have a great Spanish book publisher. I've sold my books in Italy. It's translated in Italian and translated in German, translated in French and Chinese and Japanese. And how you find out about these people, there's a book at the library called the ILMP, Internet Literary Marketplace. And that will give you the name of the publishers and what they publish in the foreign languages and the countries around the world. So you can send them an email. You can send them a picture of the cover of your book. You can send them a write-up, and you can do it all by email. 
He says, I see that you're publishing books on exercise, on yoga. I have a new book on yoga that we just published, and I'd like to know if you'd be interested in it. We'd be pleased to send you a reading copy. And that's the way that you do it. Most books usually go for a couple thousand dollars. So you'll sell the foreign rights. Do you sell the foreign rights by language or by country or the total international rights other than the U.S.? You sell it by each country and each publisher in each country. I have several publishers in each country. You can sell it to a dozen publishers, but you can't sell the same book. It has to be a different book. But once you establish contact with these publishers, it's at every library, international literary marketplace, then you can sell your book to the foreign publishers. I want to tell you something that I did that gave me a great deal of joy talking about the publishing. What would be the most difficult publisher I could get to publish one of my books, say, How to Get Rich in the I don't know, Arabic. Arabic, okay, maybe it's Arabic. I thought that the Chinese would be a difficult place to go. So I said to myself, no, this is a challenge. It had nothing to do with the money. I'm going to try to get my book published in the Chinese language, How to Get Rich in Mail Order. And I did. You did? I worked on it for about a year, and finally someone said they want to do it. And it didn't matter what they gave me about it then. Published it in the Chinese language, and I had the pleasure and enjoyment of showing my classes. Here it is in Chinese. Well, let's talk about that. Tell me the process. It took you a year, but you did it. I did it. Let's talk about perseverance. Well, if you believe in it or it's a challenge, you have to persevere. You have to persevere in anything. I can go outside of the book publishing. I was in the Arabian horse business for about 12 years. And I had a double champion stallion. And I was in that business with a friend of mine. And we bought a stallion. We knew nothing about it. We bought a stallion. He had a ranch. And we persevered. We got the trainers that we needed. We went to the shows. We bought a trailer, bought a truck, and we learned about the business. And it wasn't because of the money. Money had nothing to do with it. We went for the challenge of getting established and raising a double champion and training that horse. What was the name of the horse? Asdar, A-S-D-A-R. But after 12 years, we sort of lost interest a bit. And I said to my partner, how about buying some race horses? He says, uh-uh. You guys were done with the horse business. He says, no, I'm not going to go that route. And from the money view, when it won a championship, what kind of prize money is there? There wasn't prize money. It was the ribbons that we won. I see. That's fun, though. Here's a question from Rod Akins. Mr. Powers, how has direct marketing changed over recent years? I'm doing very little direct marketing. I'm not buying a mailing list because the printing has gone up so much. And the posters has gone up. It's hard to make unless you're selling a high-priced item. If I were, I'd still be in it. But with selling my $10, $15, and $20 books, it's very hard to come out. What have you been passionate about the most? And when has this come through in your emotional response? For example, how did you feel after 5 million copies sold of Maxwell Maltz's book? And what did that prompt you to do next? I don't know if it prompted me to do anything next, but it's a high. I'm high every day. I come to the office and I'm high. And that's without drugs, huh? <laughs> well, I also go to gym, so that pumps me up. You exercising? Oh, yes, I go twice a week. I work with a trainer. 86, and you've got your own personal trainer, and you're still working out. Right, twice a week, Mondays and Fridays. What does he have you do? What kind of stuff? All the treadmill, weightlifting. That's excellent. You should be an inspiration to everyone yeah. listening. 
If you had the opportunity to start again with Dr. Maxwell Maltz's book launch, what would you do differently today? No, I wouldn't do it any differently than I did. I hired Erwin Zucker immediately, my PR man. And I knew it was going to be a winner. I just knew it. Just like an employee comes to work for you, you know in the day the person's going to make it. Well, we talked about the songs, if the song is going to make it. So I wouldn't do it any differently than I did it before because we had the formula and I had the enthusiasm for it and it sold. And we wanted to do some good things with that, starting the free self-help study groups. was a wonderful feeling. So it just could have been better. And it wouldn't matter how many I sold. Even if we sold 1,000 and cut it off there, I would have felt good about it because it helped a lot of people. And that's the way I feel about probably all the books that I publish. I feel good what I'm doing, what I'm putting out there in the world. Very good. Here's a question from Tony Palumbo from Columbus, Ohio. Melvin, you mentioned in the article on your website that you see a lack of work ethic in America today. Correct. What do you attribute to that? We have to have our heroes that aren't necessarily movie stars. We have to admire the work ethic. If someone is digging ditches, there is a work ethic. The person is working. It is ethical. And no matter what the work is, it is ethical. No matter what the job is, there is an ethic in doing that, whether the teachers or no matter what you're doing. There is a work ethic to it. So we have to concentrate on that, that all work is ethical, and we all can't be doctors or lawyers, and it's good to be doing any type of work and to feel good about it. And if you're not, try to change into something that you might love to do. Here's a question from Penny Chow from Singapore. Mr. Powers, do you accept resellers for your books and information products? Yes, we have a reseller program. All our books are available at a 50% discount, and we'll drop ship for you as well, make up the label. So all our books are available in a drop ship program. The only thing we don't do, we don't drop ship out of the country. There's too much paperwork, and the postage becomes too high. But we do drop ship here in the United States. I've had this program going since day one, and we have lots of people in it, and they're doing fine. I'll say, if people stick with us, they do fine. They find a niche, and they do well. But, yes, we all have books available for drop shipment basis at 50% discount. Bookstores buy the books at 40% off. Wholesalers buy the book at 50%. Very good. Here's a question from Carol Merrick of carolmerrick.com. She's a coach and an author, and she asks, Mr. Powers, what is the greatest thing you have learned from one of your books, and which book was it, please? I wouldn't say there's any one particular thing. It's just ongoing. We talk about the positive attitude. Look, you can change your life by changing your thinking. Change your thinking, change your life. And we have a book called Change Your Voice, Change Your Life. But change your thinking and you can change your life. And that's the thing that I have learned throughout the years and I've had this positive attitude since day one. So I did not have to overcome the attitude that I was negative about myself or the world or anything else. And I like to concentrate in the evening. I don't listen to the evening news. I go to bed at about 10 o'clock every night. And I turn on Seinfeld here. <laughs> when I get an hour of Seinfeld, even though I know all the shows, my wife and I know all the words, but we go to bed laughing. Why not watch the news? Why don't you watch the news? I don't want to hear how many people got killed, how many people got shot, and how bad business is. The country's going down the drain. I hear it during the day. I don't want to hear it at night, so that I turn on Larry King every night, and I listen to the news, but I don't want to hear it going to sleep at night. Do you read the newspaper? I read it every day. 
Here's a question from Paul Goodwin from Chester, United Kingdom. Mr. Powers, are you able to recognize potential bestsellers from niches or subject areas where you have no direct or detailed experience or knowledge? If so, how do you do it? I haven't had to do that, although I've started new areas in the calligraphy. I started a group of calligraphy. See, if you look at my books that I print, these have to do with my hobbies. I do a whole series of books on bridge, and most of them are by a fellow named Edwin B. Cantor, who's one of the leading bridge experts in the world. Now, I would say I never read a bridge book, but I took a course from him, and I said to him, would you like to do a series of books on bridge? And I'm a book publisher, and we'll do them. And the first book we did was Bridge Bidding Made Easy, but I had to feel about the author, not so much the book. Because I had a good feeling about him and made it there, we did the books on calligraphy. I'm a chess player, so I know about the chess books. I don't cook. We have books on cooking. I enjoy playing poker, and I'm in a poker game every single month. And I'm in that game not because of the money. It's a quarter game, but I'm interested in learning about how to play the game better. Now, here's a book that didn't make it that I thought was going to make it, How You Can Stop Smoking Permanently. I don't smoke. I never had many of my employees smoking. You couldn't smoke in my office or warehouse. And yet that book has never made it. That is interesting. Yeah. Here's a question from Sam. Mr. Powers, how has the Internet affected mail order? Has it been for better or for worse? It's better. We don't have to spend the money on the full-page ads. See, I used to run a lot of ads on remainder spaces. We talked about that before. I did a lot of that. But the advertising rates have gone through the roof and the circulation has become less, so it's hard to make the space ads pay out. And we know about the Internet. People go to my Internet pages and there are the ads and they're all laid out beautifully. And they go to the subject area that they like. And again, the area that they like for me is a self-help inspirational book and my books on mail order. And those are the books that sell good. Let me ask you about the Bridge books. You took some courses in Bridge. You approached him to do a series of books. He said yes. How did you structure that deal? You basically said you're going to write a series of books. Did you assist him in helping write the book? No, I couldn't assist him. Did he have any books written when you met him? No. So you approached him, and then he started writing books himself. Right. He started writing books himself. He didn't ask me for any money up front. I didn't offer any money up front. But what it did for him... It helped put him more on the map because we sold it to the bridge clubs. His books were in all the books around the country. And people pay bridge experts to play with them. I don't know if you know that. They're in tournaments. So he got big fees by doing that. He got gigs by traveling on boats, going on cruises, and teaching bridge for an hour a day or two hours a day, whatever it was. So he had a great time doing this, and everybody knew him. So the trade-off was you got the rights to his series of books. He made a royalty on the sales. You were able to probably make him more famous than he already was. Right. He'll make him famous all over the world. So you didn't have any kind of formal contract? Well, no, we had a contract, but it was a simple contract. Do you have lawyers draw up your contracts? You can get the contracts for free. They're on the Internet. Go to book publishing contracts. 
Book publishing contracts? Go to Google, put down book publishing contracts, and you'll find them all for free. When you make a publishing deal with someone, is there anything that a lot of people overlook, anything important about when you make a deal with somebody that our listeners should know about if they're trying well, to get... Everything is important, but before I answer that question, you should go to the website and read the contracts, and if you're not getting paid within three months, you generally get paid for one year, but you've got to be paid by April 1st, January, February, March, April 1st, and if you're not being paid by April 1st, the contract becomes null and void. And the publishing rights, are they worldwide? I mean, exclusive, worldwide? Yes. There's all kinds of ways it can be structured. What's the best way? You sign the worldwide rights for that book, so you have the right to sell them in foreign languages. So you, with your hard work, you made his bridge books very successful, and you built up something of value, and you could sell the rights to other countries, right? Correct. And there could be a lot of money in that. Well, as long as you work it. <laughs> but that's the fruits of your labor. You own the intellectual property of an expert. You build it up. You make it a success. And then you sell licensing rights. How can you sell that intellectual property and make money from it in other ways than just the sale of the books in the U.S.? Well, there are movie rights. If you do a book on fiction, there are movie rights. Maybe you do a book on nonfiction, there are movie rights. So there's all kind of rights. There's the CDs. Say that you publish a book and you don't want to do a CD, you don't have the distribution. Well, there are companies that specialize in doing that. You go to the bookstore and you see who is putting out these CDs. You go to them and you structure a deal with them. Some of our books, we have CDs in foreign languages, especially the Spanish books. For more exclusive interviews on business, marketing, advertising, and copywriting, go to Michael Senoff's Hard to Find Seminars. Dot com. But have you ever sold movie rights to anything? I was close. About rights, Chris Miller from Richmond, Virginia, from Netpreneur and Business Development Consultant at BubbleComment.com. His question is, Mr. Powers, how did you structure your purchasing rights without letting the seller know that he would be missing out on something? Oh, well, they were happy. Why should I tell Mr. Gray's book? <laughs> it was a big company with lots of employees. Why should I say this is a great book and it's going to be a bestseller? Why should I do that? I was low-key about it, and I didn't offer loads of money. They offered very little money for the advance of the book, and I was low-key about it. If I was really excited about it, there goes the price. How would you approach them being low-key where you don't give it away? I'd call you up. i said, Michael, you wrote a fine book, Secrets of Making Money on the Internet. I'd like to publish the book, and I think we can do a good job with it. And you'd say, well, what is the advantage? The advance isn't your main thing, whether I say it's 5000 or 10000 or 1000 The royalty rate on paperback is usually about 5%, hardcover is 10%. You want to know what that book can do for you, either worldwide or at least here in the United States, and can that bring you in more business? Those are the things that you want to look for. Can this publisher do a good job in getting you publicity getting you on TV, hopefully, and getting you on radio, and getting you other publicity, can he do that? Will he be able to do it? But you cannot rely on the publisher because if it isn't making it with most publishers, they're going to drop it. They're going to not drop the book, but they'll spend X number of dollars on publicity, spend some time and effort in trying to get the book moving, and if it doesn't move, they're going to drop it, and no matter what you say, they're not going to do it. They're not going to go forward. So you have to be ready to take control of your own life, of your own destiny, of your own book, 
That's why we're talking about self-publishing and do a good job with it and see what you can do with it. If you feel, well, that's too much for me, okay, then you send it out such as we talk about and go for the best deal and do multiple submissions. You don't have to wait for each publisher to give you an answer, yes or no, but you have to take control of your own destiny. That's what I would tell if you say, well, it's a great book, I'm interested in it, but regardless if I am, you still have to take control of your destiny, such as you're doing right now with this interview and with your website. You're doing a great job with it. Thank you. Here's a question from Stephen Barchetti, your digital coach at kingofsocialmedia.com. Mr. Powers, do you own the rights to psychocybernetics? The reason I ask is that a marketer named Matt Fury claims that he owns the rights to psychocybernetics. Also, if you visit his website, you can see a book that has been written by Dan Kennedy. I have been studying public domain items and realize this type of thing is possible, but it seems you are talking with a person that might still own the rights to this stuff. No, Dan Kennedy bought the rights to psychocybernetics. Okay, so Dan Kennedy bought the total rights? Well, I don't know what his contract says, but he took over the rights to psychocybernetics, and they did a book called Updated Psychocybernetics, but I don't know what his sales are on psychocybernetics. I don't think it's too much. He didn't buy it from you. No, from the original publisher. Oh, I got you, I got you. But Dan Kennedy is a great marketer. And I'd buy all his books. So you don't have the rights to psychocybernetics. You just sell the books. I have the paperback rights. Oh, you do have the paperback yes, rights. Of course. Okay, so you had to buy that from the publisher, the paperback rights? Originally, I bought it from the publisher. I see. So currently, no one else can sell it in paperback? Correct. I got you. Could the publisher sell Internet rights, like digital rights? They can. Do you see a lot of publishers doing that? No, I don't see that. I see people themselves doing it. This new book reader put up by Amazon.com is doing that. Oh, they're buying the digital rights to it. So you could sign a contract without the digital rights or with the digital rights. But I'd let the major publishers handle that because they're used to it and they'll make the money for you and they know what they're doing. If you come in to sign a contract, I'm not saying anyone's going to take advantage of you, but the publisher naturally wants as much rights as he can get. Digital rights and movie rights and all kind of rights. You, in the meantime, want to get paid on time. That's what I'm telling you, listeners, because mm. publishers, a lot of publishers don't pay on time. If they don't, the rights stop, you can cancel the rights. More questions from David Cracker. What or how do you differentiate your services and products from your competitors? Is there anything that really differentiates you from other publishers in the self-help field? I don't look at anyone as a competitor. I know most of the people in the business. And we're all in the same business. And we're all happy to hear of each other's success. And when I go to book trade shows and meet them, how are you doing? Say, I'm glad to hear that your new book is sold, blah, 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 copies. Oh, it's for you must feel good. Oh, it's going great. We are happy for each other's successes. How does one come to work out a profitability and pricing structure in publishing? It has to be four or five times the cost of your book plus the royalties. So if the book, $10 book, my total cost should be with the royalties, 250 Then because I'm selling it to the wholesalers, it's $5, so I'm doubling my money. So that should be the formula. If you can get it more than that, if you sell the book for $20 and the book costs you only $4, well, you're still making five times the amount, but that's the general formula. 
Okay, another question. Are your sales and marketing operations measured and tested, and do you monitor them daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually? We do it monthly. We see what sales do we have this month. Was it better than last month? Was it better than last year? Are the sales going up? Are the sales going down? Every year we take inventory so we know what book is selling more than it did the year before. Are the sales going down and the book is going up? So we do do that, of course. Tell me about your day and the responsibilities you have with your company. You know, what does a day look like for you? Well, I look at the mail, of course, and see what orders we're getting. You still just as excited shaking oh, money? Sure. Well, I'm not saying I'm getting excited about one book, but I'll tell you what excited me today. I mean, a woman wrote me from a prison saying that she's a recovering alcoholic, and she read a book that I published called The Night Rest the Armor, and because there's so many women there, they love the book, could I send her another copy? I know how he sent her that. I sent her another book, The Dragon Slayer with a Heavy Heart. I sent her a book called The Princess Who Believes in Fairy Tales, which is a woman's book. So I sent her multiple copies of these books free with a letter saying, good luck to all of you. But that was the most important thing that I did today. But usually I come in and I look at the mail. I look at the wholesale orders. Then I get on the Internet, and I read the paper, and I read these trade publications that I get. Then I go to the Internet and see who wants questions answered and what research I can do on the Internet. So I'm busy all day long. And people call me, so I'm answering questions. <laughs> so when did you first discover that you had the entrepreneurial flair? I've always had it. I became interested in mail order and became successful at that age selling how-to books. And it was working. It was working perfectly. I didn't have to think about it. I was selling books on astrology and selling books on gambling and hobbies and horse players winning guides and humor and hypnotism and chess. So I just had it. What do you say to people who think it's too late to get into the business and fear they've missed the boat? If you think you've missed the boat, then you've missed the boat. If you think you haven't missed the boat, then you haven't missed the boat. It's never too late regardless what has happened to you, regardless of the age that you are, that you can make it. There are lots of success stories about people, all ages, all kind of handicaps, that finally make it. They make it because they're enthusiastic what they want to sell or do or what advice they want to give, whatever it happens to be. So it's never too late, but if you think the boat has sailed, then it has sailed. But if you think there's always that opportunity, and that's the truth of the matter, wouldn't you say so, Michael? If someone could read all the material, listen to the material, your website, wouldn't they have a good chance of making it? They would, if they took action. If they took action, and right. if they listened to the material on your website, and they took action and took notes, because you have some great writers there, people should read the Gene Schwartz book, through advertising. Did you listen at all to that? I listened to the first part of it, but I didn't get around to listening to the last. Okay. But I will, but if people listen to it, it can't be easier that you didn't ask me to say it, but I want to say it. You're offering great service, great advice for next to nothing, off for nothing, and it's a chance like going to a college and getting all this great information about mail order and entrepreneurship. It's a wonderful opportunity, so if the person is enthusiastic, I know they may not be enthusiastic if they've never done anything, but the opportunity is there, but they have to take action. If they do it, then they are going to be successful and do it step by step. If it isn't working, here's some of the best advice. 
contact the Small Business Administration. Every city has a Small Business Administration, and they'll send someone out to you that's in school. It's a service organization. It's called Service Corps of Retired Executives, and they will help you for free. And if you can't get someone in the city that you have, call up the 800 number that they have, the Small Business Administration in your city, Get the 800 number, and they'll send someone out absolutely free to help you as long as you want. Yeah, SCORE, the retired professionals, and they put on a lot of local seminars and trainings in the local areas. And it's free, isn't it? No, they do charge for it, actually. They do? Yeah. They may have some free, but I think the seminars and stuff, they do charge for it. Oh, okay. Here's the phone number. Okay, it's 800-634-0245. And it's a volunteer organization, and they'll give you the latest chapter near you. The Service Corps Retired Executive. 30 years in business and no fee, one-to-one counseling. Right, very good. Let me ask you this, Melvin. The first interview we talked about, you were joking about the Amazon sales taking a little bit of business away from you. How do you feel about the online markets like Amazon? So let's say someone's looking for one of your types. It's a noble. Yeah, or Barnes & Noble. Or, yeah, I or, do great. So you've got your books available on your website, but even though you're selling to them, they're selling it for less money. I mean, is it mixed feeling? No, it's not at all. I'm happy to do it. I have people that have been my drop shippers. We drop ship for them for many, many years. Even as much as 25 years we have people with us. They're making money. I'm happy. I'm making money every time they sell a book. The fun part about it is that they tell me, they'll say, well, Melvin, you know, I bought my books from Amazon. And you know, I tell them I buy my own books from Amazon. I go to Amazon, I buy my books from them. Why not? <laughs> right now, you were drop shipping for who for 25 years? For some of my accounts. They've been with me for 25 years. I see. I have lots of people, 5, 10, 15 years, lots of people drop shipping my books. How about your mail order course? Are you selling some of those still? Not as much as I used to. I am selling it. It's like I said, it's not on CDs. But it's not as successful as it used to be. Well, you're not promoting it like you used to. No, I'm uh, Do you think it's still pretty applicable today, everything in it? Well, of course, it's all good. The Internet is another place to do mail order. <laughs> so everything in it works. It's just that the book, when it says mail order itself... Yeah, find a unique product, developing your mail order expertise, make money with classroom display ads, unlimited potential for making money with mail order, how to copycat. Oh, one thing that your listeners should do, copycat successful internet mail order operations. What's wrong with doing that? That's a good idea. Give me an example. Well, go to someone that's selling something that you want to sell and see what they're doing, and you do the same thing. But do it better. Also, look at their ads. Copycat their technique, copycat their mail order operation, buy one of the products that I talk about in my mail order book, some of my successful and not so successful ads. I don't put in here every ad I wrote was made it. That's not true for anybody. I give a strategy, follow the Melvin Powell's success strategy, follow it and you become a millionaire, and I believe that, and it's happened. How to make your advertising copy sizzle. 
read books and advertising. They're at the library. My book is How to Write a Good Advertisement. That's one I like. But read all the literature you can possibly read about mail order and, and internet marketing. And listen to the tapes, Michael, that you have done because it's extremely worthwhile doing. And if you paid me a million dollars, I wouldn't say it. <laughs> Thank you. How many copies of Think and Grow Rich did you sell over the years? Seven million. Was that your number one seller? Yes. Did it get on the bestseller list? Yes, at one time it did. It's not on there now because there's a lot of people selling. Now, seven million sold. Let me ask you this: like, if you compared those sales and you broke them down into large bulk orders or wholesale sales and then retail sales, and you broke it down, like, how would that look? Are a bulk of those seven million sales through your larger publishers ordering them? Distributors. Yeah, the distributors. Through the bookstores, and I sold a couple million to multi-level companies. Oh, you did? Oh, that was a biggie. Oh, what multi-level companies? All of them. I see. All of them. See, that has stopped for some inexplicable reason. Maybe the multi-level isn't going as well as it used to, but I used to get orders for 25,000, 50,000 copies of the book, and I'd print them out from the printed right to their wholesale, right to their door. That's what pushed the sale of that. In fact, I didn't think about it until just now. There was companies like Herbalife that bought tons of these books from me and all the rest of the multi-level companies. So that's where tons of my books went. What about Psycho Cybernetics? Did MLM companies order that one too? They ordered that, but not so much as... The Think and Grow Rich. That's interesting. Now let me ask you this. You were telling me you have a team. How many manuscripts are submitted to you guys every month or so? A couple hundred couple hundred, and how do you set that up? Let's say I'm a publisher and I want to review good potential books. How do I find some script readers who could review this stuff? Because I certainly don't have the time to read through them. Add in the newspaper, uh, go to Google again, say wanted book reviewers. Yeah, and how do you pay them? It varies with each person. You can pay them $100, you can pay them $200, you can pay them $50. For reading each one? It all depends upon the manuscript. So you have your script readers review books, and if they see something that really looks like it's got potential, will they notify you and say what? They write a report to a senior editor that I have. They do it in writing, and if we get three good ones or two good ones or one great one, we will look at it and she'll look at it. So the senior editor will read the report and then maybe read through the script? Read through it if she likes it. Then she'll contact you and say, here's one that looks pretty good? Right, and then I'll read it and say yay and nay. Usually it's yes. How many scripts are you reading in a month, reviewing potential? Two or three a month? A little more than that. I see. Was that Dragon Slayer with a heavy heart? Was that one that your script readers found? Right. In fact, it was my script reader that wrote it. Oh, one of your script readers wrote that? Yes. Really? Is that book doing really, really well? Very well. It's a 10-step program, and it's reading extremely well. Oh, what book is selling well with me? Think Like a Winner. Ever hear that book? No, I have not. By Dr. Staples. Yeah, Think Like a Winner is doing good? Very good. Have you had that for a long, long time? For a long time. It's a $15 book, and it's a 6 by 9 book. See, that has the right elements in the title. Tell me the story. Remember when you were telling me how you had The Secret of Bowling Strikes was running for 10 years in the bowling magazines? I ran it on a PI deal. That is, they ran the ad, and I paid them per order. 
All right, and then you said you came out with a record. Right. The back end was a record that I sold for $10. All right, well, what was the record? Did you have someone read Recorded. the They read the book and created a recording. They read certain parts of the book into the recording. And you told me that the record sold for like five times more than the book. Correct, much more. So there was a lot of margins in the audio. Correct. Well, did you ever do that with any of your other books? Yes, The Secret of Perfect Putting. And how did that go with the record? And I had the same deal with some golf magazines. I get it occasionally. But the bowling book took the cake, and that was the best one of all. So someone who has printed books, by turning them and creating audio and just selling the audio version, is a whole new profit center. Oh, some people like to read and get the information. I like reading and getting the information. I like to hear the information. Oh, I hear it again, and I get it the second time a little bit better because I've heard it. And I'm one that purchases lots of inspirational CDs because I like to listen to them going back and forth from my office. So I enjoy the CDs. This has been wonderful, Melvin. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank all your listeners for sending in those questions. hope they got some great information. We did. Thank you, Melvin. Okay, bye I hope you've enjoyed this three-part interview with Melvin Powers. If you have any questions, please contact me at michael at michaelsenoff.com. For more information on Melvin Powers' books, go to his website, mpowers.com. For more interviews like this, go to hardtofindseminars.com.